You're listening to CTO Bob with Bob Pellerin. This is Bob Pellerin, CTO Bob. I want to thank you, first of all, for tuning in today. As some of you may know, I've been blogging about the precious metal and mining industry on various different sites. I've also been in print. And today I've decided to combine my passion for silver with the technology. So my guest today is the silver guru himself, David Morgan of The Morgan Report. If you have not heard David Morgan on a podcast recently, you may have seen him on television on CNBC, Fox Business, or BNN in Canada. He's also been interviewed by such newspapers as the Wall Street Journal, Future Magazine, and the Gold Report. I've asked David on the show primarily to talk about silver, since he is one of the top authorities on the subject. Specifically, I wanted to discuss with David how silver is critical to modern-day technology. So I want to start by welcoming you to the podcast, David. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. I would like to start off by uh, talking a little bit about silver, specifically in the context of technology. I know a lot of uh, executives out there and business owners don't think about precious metals as being part of their everyday lives, whether in their gadgets or their computers or their networking equipment. But nonetheless, silver plays a very important role. I don't know if you could talk a little bit, since you are the uh, leading expert on silver, in my opinion, and uh, I'd like to get your, your two words on that. Well, I've made the statement in the past that silver is probably one of the best technology stocks that you can buy, and of course, silver is a commodity. But silver is used for everything electrical or electronic, and there's been a very huge, as we all know, explosion in technology uh, roughly from the year 2000. There's no exact year or date. But if you go to the fact that I'm holding an iPhone doing this interview with you, Bob, and this iPhone represents about eight times the computing power of what uh, held, was held in the whole computer science building when I was getting my aeronautical engineering degree at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in 1970. It gives you some idea of what's taken place in those 40 years as far as the technological advances. So... The amount of silver used per capita keeps increasing in North America. It's roughly three-tenths per ounce per person per year. And this isn't a silver investor. This is someone that owns an iPad, an iPhone, is hooked up to the grid, has a washing machine, that type of thing. And all of this silver is in a form that really isn't that easily recycled. Uh, cell phones are worth recycling. All smartphones have gold in them, and they're worth the gold value, so certainly you get about three grams of uh, gold uh, per ton of cell phones, and where you uh, a, a really marginal gold miner these days is one gram per ton. So you're actually better off mining cell phones for gold than you are some of these mines. But moving on, the amount of uh, technology boom that continues to increase continues to play into the silver market directly and indirectly, and it's really a green metal. I mean, if you look at the, any skyscraper that's been in modern times, all those windows have a slight m uh, microns worth of silver usually to reflect the light. Without that, you wouldn't be able to pay the cooling costs on that building to be so astronomical because silver is the best reflector of light known to man and also the best conductor of heat. So it's actually a very green metal as well, a very technological metal. And, of course, everyone's familiar with the solar panels, which are very uneconomic a few years back, but the margins have gotten better and better and better. They're not uh, competitive right now with, say, uh, 
natural gas or something like that. However, they are getting closer all the time. And there are specific uses for solar panels that really it makes sense to put up a solar panel to generate electricity rather than run uh, near copper wire to a very, very remote location. So the outlook for silver going forward from the Silver Institute is to see an increase of 28% between now and 2018. And if I can back up just a minute and go back 10 years again, when I said approximately this you know, technological rush came in, the amount of silver used uh, of the annual market was about 35% of the total back a decade or so. And now it's 50% of the market, uh, you know, 10 years out. And during that 10 year time frame, we have actually increased the amount of silver that has been mined on a per, per annual basis. So silver is very much uh, a good time metal, meaning that, you know, as technological progress continues, it's used more and more and more. And of course, there's also the uh, other side of the, mon- the monetary aspect that we could talk about later if you wish. And what about the, the medical? I know we're getting straying away perhaps from uh, the core technology listeners out there, but from an investment point of view, uh, what, what are some of the applications that silver can be used on in that space? Well, very much so in, you know, in, the, surgery, in the surgery room. I mean, silver is a natural uh, antimicrobial, so it's used uh, a lot of areas. Uh, you know, catheters, for an example, would be... Uh, Silver, uh, not pure silver, but uh, it would be uh, silver-coated. And, of course, silver nitrate in the baby's eyes, uh, something that everyone takes for granted, but it's been a practice for a very, very long time. And a lot of surfaces uh, used now are silver-impregnated. Uh, the ducting in hospitals, uh, silver-coated, for uh, that was found out by Legionnaire's disease in an outbreak of some of the major hospitals in the U.S. It was determined that uh, all they had to do was line the uh, air ducts with silver, uh, silver water purification. Uh, there's using silver in uh, plastics for food preservation, so it lasts longer. Uh, anytime there is a potential situation where you have uh, the potential for you know, an antimicrobial of some type, you can usually use silver as a uh, agent that will prevent that from taking place. So the list of potential applications medically is uh, almost infinite. I mean, there's lots and lots of ways that it can be used, and it is being used more and more all the time. It's something that very few people, unless they silver, excuse me, study silver diligently, are really not that aware of, but it's something that goes on and on. Even silver band-aids, for example, I mean, now these were things that you would get in the hospital from time to time, depending on you know, where in the world you were, but now you can actually be in a, you know, drugstore in the UK, for example, and you can buy off the shelf uh, band-aids that are silver impregnated. It actually helps the wound heal faster. Do you see silver as being more of a commodity or do you treat it more as a relic perhaps or as actual money since it uh, potentially has value forever? It, it can't be uh, discounted as having no value whatsoever by the mere fact that it has to be mined and requires an effort to produce? Well, I'm a top-down analyst, so I start with the, you know, silver, period. And then I look at it from, you know, from the, that starting point, from the big universe. The universe has silver. We're on this planet. It has silver. What's been done with it and what is being done with it and what potentially will be done with it. So past, present, and future. And so it has all those aspects. It really has a dual purpose. The monetary aspect is overlooked by a lot of people, but silver's been money used in more places for more time and more often than gold by far. Silver really is the monetary metal of history, but very few people, unless they're very good, studying the 
aspects of the monetary system know that. But nonetheless, it doesn't excuse the fact that that is a fact. Uh, in fact, Milton Friedman, Nobel laureate uh, for economics, stated at the uh, New Orleans conference in the 80s that silver is the monetary metal of history, not gold. And that's a near exact quote. But moving on, it certainly has a monetary aspect in almost all countries outside of North America. North America has uh, been pretty much brainwashed, in my view, that silver is you know, not a monetary asset. But the word silver and the word money is synonymous in like 52 countries. All the Romance languages uh, use the word silver as money. I mean, to tell someone that silver isn't money would be saying in their language, money's not money. They would look at you with crossed eyes and wouldn't know what you're talking about. Argentina means little silver, for example. Uh, plata is silver or money. So if you say, you know, uh, give me some plata, you're saying, give me some silver. I mean, people understand that to mean money, but it's synonymous. So the word silver, the word money, you know, certainly has a direct correlation in the Romance languages. But again, if you are undereducated in, you know, monetary history, and most people are, and I don't expect that to be, you know, something that everyone's that interested in. I certainly am, but that doesn't mean most people could be or should be. Nonetheless, the facts stand alone that uh, silver is a very important monetary asset in the past and certainly could be and I think will be in the future. Now that we've established the uses of silver in technology, one of the questions that does keep coming up is, will there be sufficient quantities of silver in the future for new products to be developed using increasing amount of silver? If you listen to the mainstream news, especially in late 2014, there was a lot of stories about the Canadian and the U.S. mints running out of silver and about shortages of both silver eagles and the silver maples. What are your thoughts on availability of silver? Every year, the mint, whatever the mint being, it could be the U.S. mint, the Canadian mint, the Australian mint, or the Euro mint, shuts down about a month ahead of time. And so they run out. They quit producing a, a, some, a coin that says 202014 on it. And they run them out and deliberately sell out their inventory so that they could put in the new dies that say 2015 on them. And every time that happens, there's a quote-unquote shortage of product. Well, it's deliberate. It's basically like clearing your shelves out with last year's summer dresses, trying to get rid of all of them so that you have room to put up the new fall inventory as a dress manufacturer analogy. So it's something that you know a lot of people jump up and down on and say, oh my goodness, look at this, look at this, look at this. They're really looking at the wrong thing and asking the wrong question. It's a deliberate thing. It's done every year. It's been that way for years. It's nothing to get that excited about. Is there you know, more demand than supply? Yeah, probably. Is there a shortage? Well, in quotation marks, yes. But again, it's a deliberate thing. They have to stop at some point to change over for the new year. And it you know, has to take place at some place. And obviously, it's done near the end of the year. And that's, that's what causes it in most cases. I don't want to say that's it 100% of the time because, you know, next year there might be a huge, you know, problem with getting silver period as an example but nonetheless that's the facts most of the time it's simply a rollover between the old year and the new year yes they sell them all out yes there's more demand than they have for that year silver but uh, that's why you see such a surge in january is a lot of those orders are kind of backlogged and they roll in and people are asking for a one ounce silver coin they're not asking for it has to be this date and that's what happens. So it's something that, you know, I'm very familiar with, but most people are like, oh, 
there's a silver shortage. No, there is not a silver shortage. So the average person really has more visibility into the coins from the various mints. Is it safe to say from historical trends that there's an increase in demand for silver? And do you see this as representing really the supply of silver available? Well, yes and no. And I hate to give a two-part answer like that because I just contradicted myself, obviously. But no, it's important to know what the retail market's doing because most of the silver coins are retail investors, meaning, you know, kind of your small silver stacker type, although there's certainly, you know, hedge funds that buy silver ounces, uh, you know, silver coinage from the treasury uh, in large amounts. But it's increased about fourfold. So that's a very strong indicator that people, generally speaking, are more aware of silver as an investment and how undervalued it is. So that's number one. But when you look at that amount, you know, uh, for silver eagles of, say, last year, 2014, of roughly 44 million ounces, which is huge in eagle terms, but knowing that there's a market of silver produced mining-wise of you know, 800 million ounces, uh, you're talking about 5% of the market. So to uh, extrapolate you know, 95% of the market from the 5% known uh, quantity is a bit of a stretch. Uh, you know, that's taking a very small data point and projecting it out and say, well, if there's that much demand in the coin market, then therefore there's a huge silver demand. Now you're only looking at 5% of the market. Nonetheless, it does give you a feel for it. So certainly you can't, you know, say it doesn't have meaning, but it's sometimes it's used as a, uh, you know, the meaning given to it is, is substantially greater than it really amounts to. Let me give you a quick example. There's a, uh, somebody that talked about the uh, problem with the uh, mint in Canada, and they mint four nines fine silver. Uh, I love uh, silver maples, by the way. And they were uh, having a problem, I don't know if it was a rollover year or just, you know, the demand was pretty high for a given product, a silver maple leaf, which takes an extra refinery than, uh, than three nines fine that you just get off of the exchange for example the blank makers for the silver eagle they just take a a large block melt it down extrude it stamp it uh, give those blanks to the treasury name they stamp them out into silver eagles pretty straightforward process in the canadian men it's a little different because they have to have a higher quality or higher grade silver it's not three nines it's four nines fine anyway there was a bit of a backlog on four nine fine silver but this uh and I thought someone that should be a little better educated would say, oh, my God, the silver market's seizing up. There's a shortage. Look at what's happening to the Canadian Mint. You can't get silver. Well, that was really a bizarre statement if you really thought about it because what he was saying is look at a very small part of the market, probably less than 2%, and extrapolating the other 98% based on the fact of 4.9 silver really was misleading a lot of people by making a statement like that. So you got to be careful uh, in this market as far as, you know, what you're listening to. I mean, was it a fact that the Canadian Mint was having trouble minting the uh, demand of 495 silver? Yeah, but that was a very specific product. Thank you very much for sharing this information with us today. Now, where can listeners go to get more vital information about silver and about your Morgan Report? Sure. Uh, for free, you can go to YouTube, the YouTube channel Silver Guru. On Twitter, it's at SilverGuru22. The website, silver-investor.com. Get on our free email list. You get the 10 rules of silver investing. And if you want to drill down more, we do consult. We do have three levels of service that are paid memberships. 
And those are all available on the right-hand side, and I've explained them in detail. So if you want to use the pull-down menu to find more about it, you can do that. And that concludes our podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to David Morgan of The Morgan Report. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. This podcast is copyrighted 2015 and is written and produced by Bob Pellerin. Mm -hmm.